to the show. My name's Kat, and What Happened in Ohio is a region-specific podcast about strange and horrific crimes that happened in the state of Ohio. I'm not originally from the state, so I didn't have the pleasure of growing up hearing about the local legends and the local boogeymen. Pretty much all I knew about this state for the longest time was that they absolutely hate Michigan and that they really, really like their football. When I first moved here though, there was, let's call it an incident that played on the news about an abducted woman who was later found buried in a box on a farm. Recently, these types of sensationalized crimes have been piquing my interest and it got me thinking, what strange events have happened here that no one really knows about or they just don't talk about? Now, I am by no means a scholar, and all research for these stories were done by me with the help of the internet. I'll give my sources, but don't take my word as gospel about the fine details. The internet can make liars of us all, after all. Anyway, let me tell you about what happened in Ohio. starts in 1976 in Centerville, Ohio. Miss Mary Gillespie started receiving strange letters that were postmarked out of Columbus that were written anonymously. So this unknown sender accused her of having an affair with the school board superintendent, Gordon Massey, and the sender said that they were watching Mary and her family and told her that she needed to stop. Mary, of course, was like, I'm not sleeping with this guy. I'm not going to <laughs> admit to something I'm not doing. Um, started receiving more and more letters that were telling her that she needed to confess. When she wouldn't confess, her husband, Ron, started receiving this same type of letter, but his letters told him that Mary was in danger if she didn't stop her affair, and that Ron would be killed if he couldn't stop her. Now, they weren't the only ones in town apparently receiving these type of letters. Other people in town were receiving letters that were about their own secrets, about things that had been observed on them. It was just super creepy overall. And even the writing style of these letters were super creepy. It's just big, bold, very blocky style letters. One of the letters Mary received reads like this. Miss Gillespie, stay away from Massey. Don't lie when questioned about meeting him. I know where you live. I've been observing your house and know you have children. This is no joke. Please take it serious. Everyone concerned has been notified, and everything will be over soon. Like I said, super creepy letters, and these all kind of, like, read the same like this. So, with Mary and Ron now being like, okay, this is super creepy, this is great, I, we need help. They reached out to their family members, because they were, like, not wanting to, like, put this on blast, because it's their personal life, and even an accusation of uh, an affair is, you know, kind of destructive, especially in a small town setting. So they reached out to Ron's family, and specifically his sister and her husband, which are Karen and Paula Freshour. Now, together the couples came up with a plan to try and scare the writer into stopping. Mary thought that it was another bus driver, Mr. David Longberry, because apparently he'd approached her and asked her if she wanted to be involved in a romantic setting with him, and she shot him down. So the couples thought, you know what? In order to get him to quit, what we're going to do is we're going to have Paul send him a letter letting him know that they know that it's him and that he needed to stop. Now, after the letter was sent, it kind of seemed to work for a while. 
No letters were received for several weeks, according to all the sources that I found. One of the sources said that instead of letters, some signs began popping up around town, though. Some of them were accusing the Giuseppe's 12-year-old daughter of being involved in a sexual relationship. So, needless to say, the family's still being tormented, even without these letters being blatantly received. It eventually all came to a head when Rod received a phone call on August 19, 1977, in the evening from an unknown caller that they believed to be the letter writer. Whatever words got exchanged seemed to just completely enrage Ron because he went, he grabbed his gun and got to his truck before speeding off into the night. Unfortunately, it wasn't much longer after that that Ron's truck was found, crashed into a tree, and he was dead. The investigators ruled it as an alcohol-related accident because the level of alcohol in his blood came back to 0.16, which is double today's legal limit. And the one strange thing about the whole thing, though, was that when the gun was examined, it was found that a single shot had been fired. There was no sign of the bullet casing, no one was found to have been shot, and eventually the investigators just wrote it off as an accidental discharge. Now, that doesn't mean that that's what everyone agreed it was. Rumors started going around at that time that the death was being covered up, that law enforcement knew more than they were saying, Apparently, people in town even began receiving letters from the letter writer saying these same things. And Ron's family kind of agreed with it because they said he wasn't a drinker. The idea that all was as it seemed just seemed to aggravate everyone involved. And again, those letters that were being received from the letter writer saying that the investigation was being mishandled by the sheriff or that the coroner had messed up somehow just fed into this. And, unfortunately, Ron's death was not the end of the letters. New letters continued on, and by 1983, pretty much everyone in town had either received a letter directly or personally knew somebody who had. So we'd gone from, like, oh, my cousin's cousin got a letter, to my cousin got a letter, or I got a letter. Mary, however, still seemed to be the primary focus of this writer even though she and Gordon had now at this point admitted to having affairs. They claimed that it only happened after the letters began, though. But along with these new letters, now more signs began to appear along Mary's bus route until one day she just had had enough. She got off the bus, went to tear down a sign, but stopped when she saw there was a string attached to it. That string she followed back, which went to a box that had a gun inside to rig to go off if the sign had been removed. Somebody had set up a booby trap to try and kill Mary. So Mary called the police to come to where she was. The police got there, they examined the gun, it appeared that the person who had set it up attempted to remove the serial numbers that had been engraved on it. But the officers were able to do some shenanigans in order to get them to pop back up so they could identify who most likely owned the gun. And when they checked who the gun was most recently registered to, it was found to be Mary's ex-brother-in-law, Paul. Now, since Ron's death, Paul and Karen had got divorced. Paul ended up with full custody of their kids and their house, and Karen ended up moving on to a trailer on Mary's property. So police went over to Paul and talked to him about the gun and asked, you know, why was it there? And he claimed that it had been stolen a few weeks prior, but he never filed a report about it. The firearm being his, the fact that on the day that the booby trap was set, Paul had not gone to work, and also that when police spoke to Karen, Karen said that she believed that Paul was the letter writer. So, 
all these circumstances came together, which led to the police deciding to arrest Paul for attempted murder of Mary. Now, the trial was apparently something of a fiasco, and even though part of the reason that they arrested him was the suspicion that Paul was a letter writer, they didn't charge him with any crimes that would have been associated with the letter writer. And unfortunately, the only firm evidence against Paul was that he owned the firearm and that he knew Mary. The prosecution ended up calling in a writing expert to compare the writing of the letters to Paul's handwriting, and they determined that Paul possibly did write them. With that in mind, Paul was convicted of attempted murder, but again, he was not charged with anything involving the letters being written. The thing, though, that is unfortunate is that the letters continued to be sent even after Paul went to prison. Paul even received one himself, and the letters appeared to stop after he got released. Now, the letter writer still hasn't been officially, like, deemed and sworn and said, like, this is the guy for sure, 100%. Probably it's never going to happen. But there are several theories about who the letter writer was. Obviously, the most popular theory is that Paul was the primary writer, and he had an accomplice who continued writing them once he was arrested and possibly sent out pre-written letters for him on his behalf. But he continued to maintain his innocence until he died, and then in 2012, Beverly East, who is a handwriting expert, did state that she believed that Paul was the writer after she examined his handwriting and some letters. So, that is definitely the strongest of the theories. The second theory is that there were possibly several letter writers who all had their own agendas, which is definitely a possibility since some of the letters were typed instead of being handwritten. Two people that may have been some of these letter writers were David, the jaded bus driver who Mary shot down, with this motive being that she shot him down. And the other one, which I'm gotta admit is kind of a uh, kind of fair, is that Karen was possibly a, a letter writer. And that she was just jaded from the divorce and she set up the booby trap and everything as a way to frame Paul out of spite. It should be noted that Karen did end up having experience as a typist, so the typed letters definitely possibly could have been her. Ultimately, the truth is, is that the letter writer may have been somebody entirely different that we may never know of. There was reports that on the day of Mary's attempted, I guess what's called an assassination, um, there was a guy standing nearby in a weird looking car, dressed all shady, just watching. And then after police arrived, he left. So that could have been the letter writer for all we know. I will say, though, that the letter writer went through a lot of effort to remain anonymous from writing their letters in strange all caps and, you know, postmarking them out of Columbus instead of from in town when clearly they spent a lot of time in town because they knew everybody's secrets. It, it just, it strikes me strange that they went through all that effort and just wasted it on a kind of poorly thought out murder attempt. That just doesn't add up in my brain, you know? But I gotta admit, stranger things have happened. So, the Centerville letter writer is strange as an Ohio thing just because how terrifying is it to have some unknown stranger 
know every secret about your life like that is absolutely terrifying and i know like today we still have situations like that social media makes it awful because you can accidentally post something and it's public and then some strangers are creeping along and stalking you there's a reason we call it facebook stalking right but this is in the 70s the 80s up into the 90s and these letters were still being received it's just terrifying honestly like it takes effort and I think that's what's scarier about it is it actually takes effort to do this type of thing but um yeah so there's the Centerville letters for you which I had no clue about I probably should have watched more 48 because 48 did a actual investigation slash whole episode on it so the sources I ended up using for this was uh, True Crime Times uh, online, CBS News, um, Grunge.com, and Unsolved Mysteries, which was a big one. Um, they had lots of good articles, good information everywhere. There's a couple of good podcasts that you can actually find somebody who goes into way more depth than I am. These are just kind of like brief synopsis of like, dude, listen to this crazy stuff. How nuts is this? But I highly recommend going and find some other things if you're interested on this subject. There are a plethora of letters you can find online, of people who've analyzed things, first-person accounts of receiving letters, just tons and tons and tons and tons of information to find if you're interested in it. But on that note, I wish you a pleasant day, and next time let's go find out what else happened in Ohio. Thank you.